are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Hey guys, Sam back again with another episode of PursuitCast. And today I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine from California. I have the pleasure of introducing Andrew Min. What's up, Andy? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I love you, man. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I love you, bro. Thank you so much for coming on um, and hanging out with us on this episode. Uh, Maybe you could just start off by sharing a little bit about who you are. Yeah, my name is Andrew Min. A lot of my friends, closest friends, call me Andy. It's like a nickname from growing up. I live out in Orange County, California, but I grew up in Champaign, Illinois, small town, central Illinois. Moved out to California when I was in high school. Got saved in Mexico, actually. Went on a church mission trip. Um, God encountered me real powerfully way down in this middle of nowhere, small town called San Telmo. Uh, Got called into ministry when I was about 18 years old. Got really involved with a mission organization called called For Christ Mission. It's my family right there. And yeah, right now I'm working at a church called New Song in Santa Ana, Orange County. And it's been amazing. I love it. It's awesome, bro. And uh, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you come and join us is because I know that uh, one of the things that you're really passionate about is the Enneagram. And uh, I know that's pretty big and stuff like that. And, and you've taught on it and you've helped people. But um, I guess just to kind of help people even understand what that is, just in case they've never heard of it, uh, mm-hmm. how would you describe what it is? Well, a really basic way of talking about it, it's, a, it's another personality um, typing where, you know, there's diff- nine different types of people. Um, and it's to help you kind of understand why you do what you do, help you also have language, understand why other people do what they do. Um, but the goal really is self-awareness. So it's a tool we use to begin to understand more deeply our own hearts. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I put it that way. Nine different personalities. I think a really important way to look at the Enneagram is that there's nine different ways that we live in the world. and. Mm-hmm comes down to the way that we live in the world is what are you looking for? I feel like a key word is desire. What's your desire? What's the thing that you are seeking after? What's the thing that you think that you need? And how does that thing drive you? And how does that thing motivate your different reactions to stuff, your different behaviors and all of that? Yeah, it's good. How did you uh, your, you first get into it and stuff? How did you first find yourself learning about it, getting into it, and things like that? Yeah, I. It's funny because I probably first wrote the Instagram about four or five years ago. I just was praying with somebody, and they gave me a a really powerful word, and they said, you know, if you want to go and take a little step further to understand yourself a little bit more, you should look up the Enneagram. I think it'd be really helpful for you. And I was like, what's that? So I looked it up, and it was interesting, you know, but I read a little short description, you know, like, uh, you're like this and you're like this. And 
And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I just kind of like, okay, I got it, tried it. That was cool. I'm done. But then about a couple years after that, which was at this point about two, two full years ago, maybe three years ago, I was meeting with a friend. And he's a pastor, a mentor of mine, a friend and a mentor. And he he asked me if I'd heard of the Enneagram. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard of that. And he said, I don't think you have. You might have heard of it, but you don't really know the Enneagram because just the way that you responded, you clearly don't really understand it. <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, just try reading this book. He gave me a, a book and I cracked it open by a guy named Richard Rohr and I found the type. So I, had, I knew at that point, at least I was a type nine. And, and then I opened up the book to that chapter on the type nine and reading through it, it was maybe like 15, 20 pages. I had never felt so understood and exposed and and naked seen, you know, mm. and I just was crying. I was literally at his house in his living room, ignoring him, ignoring his wife, ignoring his kids, just sitting there crying, <laughs> reading this this chapter, the Enneagram. Um, and then that just sent me on this journey of oh my gosh, why is this resonating so deeply? What is this? And venturing into it. And actually, God really used the Enneagram to be probably the most significant tool um, that he's used to help me find healing, find wow. growth, uh, mature, and to understand myself, give grace to myself. And yeah, man, it's been so good, deepening my relationships and everything. Wow, that's amazing. I know that um, there's a lot of different personality type things and awareness tools. You know, I guess in your experience with it, what would you say would set Enneagram apart from Myers-Briggs or whatever else is out there in your opinion? Well, one thing I would say that Enneagram, it, it is similar in the sense that there are certain descriptions, right? Descriptive. Mm -hmm. it's, you're like this. You're like this. You have these certain tendencies. You have these um typical inclinations and that's where it's like okay it's about the same but one thing about the Enneagram is there's a lot of depth into what it's calling you into so the idea of the Enneagram is that yeah you have this type but the goal isn't to just be that type the goal isn't just like okay now that's great but it's as you begin to really understand why you're like that you'll actually start finding freedom to not have to um, be bound by the the things that lock you into being a certain way so actually most people you know people hate saying oh don't put me in a box i'm not just like this i'm I, i'm more than just one just paragraph description it's like yeah exactly that's the idea but what people don't understand is that actually you naturally do kind of put yourself in a box what we mean what i mean by that is you you naturally without realizing it subconsciously you developed ways of thinking, ways of acting, ways of reacting, ways things that you get angry about. You have these certain habits and tendencies and um, that that actually make you very one dimensional. You it makes you you can't help it. You're just functioning that way and you can't get out of it. You get angry at the same things. You're scared of the same things. You you um, run into the same problems everywhere you go. And it's like you're already in this box. Enneagram is saying, hey, Let's help you discover the box that you're already in so that you can stop being so enslaved to it, so it can stop holding you back, so it can stop um, 
So you can stop that cycle of just frustration of running to the same problems and not knowing why. So Enneagram, the goal is actually to help you release from that type to begin living more fully, more freely. That's one thing I love about the Enneagram. There's that added layer of depth and journey to it. That's great, bro. Um, what would you say is uh, a way that someone could even start off by finding out what type they are? Like, what are some tips that you would give in someone who's interested? They've heard of it. They've probably seen it on Instagram, you know. Uh, yeah. What What could they do now if they want to <laughs> kind of go deeper, you know? You know, well, there are some tips. You know, there's like there's different tests and then you could go to, there's some expensive ones, some cheap ones, some free ones. Um, end of the day though, like even for me, when I first took the, the, the test, my, what I discovered was my actual type, the one that resonated most deeply with me was like number four or five on my results. Cause there's, if there's nine types, it'll kind of like give you an idea of which ones you might be in ranking order. And for me, the type nine was like the fourth down on the list. Um, so it wasn't exactly accurate off the bat because the test can only be can only work off of kind of superficial information, but it gives you a yeah. place to start. It gives you a place to start. Like, okay, I might be this, I might be that. Um, I think it's only really going to become helpful and transformative when you're willing to start putting in the work. Like, okay, am I really gonna? Am I just gonna read these little short descriptions, or am I really gonna start digging into my heart? Am I really gonna start examining myself and my life and um, questioning myself to start seeing? what's underneath there you know so even before i would say actually an important first step before even starting the enneagram is making a decision um, to go on the journey of self-awareness you know i think people people can do it casually i mean i guess it's not harmful you know it's not terrible but i just feel like it's such an important journey Digging into pain, exposing yeah. things, and it's it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's ugly, and it's scary. Um, and if you aren't really willing to do that, in my mind, it'll just be another interesting, it'll just be similar to Myers-Briggs or even like, you know, Harry Potter's, uh, <laughs> which house are you, do you belong to, just another way to categorize. That stuff isn't terrible, but it's not transparent. Yeah. No, that's transparent. good. Yeah. No, I really love that, that how you are seeing this not as just like self-discovery uh, as the end-all be-all of it, but it's transformation. It's uh, yeah. formative. It's becoming. It's freedom. It's it's not just, you know, like you said, like a BuzzFeed, you know, questionnaire yeah. type thing. Exactly. but. But uh, it, it's really onto something great, greater, deeper. And um, I, I really love that emphasis because I think for me personally, as I've seen it grow up uh, or blow up, rather, the, this Enneagram and different things like that, you know, I, I kind of wondered, you know, I feel like part of it is rooted in people's love of themselves you know what i mean like they love themselves so yeah. they love like figuring who they are but leave it at that but i just love the component of, of of unlocking who you really are um so how would you go about linking that to someone who maybe does know their type 
uh, knows who they are into now connecting that to their faith walk and discipleship with, with Jesus. Hmm. I think the best place to start is um, such a simple tool. I always say is beginning by recognizing um, when you react to things, right? Mm -hmm. And any type of reaction, what makes you happy? Why, why did you enjoy that? Why did you, and when you get irritated or frustrated or really angry or you feel insecure or you feel rejected and stopping and kind of thinking about, okay, why do I think that? And because all of that, I, okay, just to begin, I feel like because asking why do I think that is when it stops being just um, like a system, like an ideology, just just something you read in a book and starts becoming personal, right? Because you can you can read it on paper and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense, that sounds like me. But until you apply it to real life situations in, in, like, in real time, then it's not gonna really get to the core and start helping you change on a deep level, right? So that, that stopping and asking why, and not just why once, but asking three whys deep. I always say that, like three, ask why three times deep. Let me give you an example. Yeah, um, so I literally, it was a really funny situation and I love using this story because it's funny, but it's so real, like painfully real. There's a guy and he was sharing with me, yeah, it was really weird. So I was, um, he, I've been working with him and he, was starting to ask that question why, right? And so there's one time he was sitting with his friend and they're at the house, they're doing some stuff together and they were kind of, you know, each doing their own thing, but they were sitting there together and he asked him, hey, can you go close the door? And he said he just reacted and was like, the heck? You know, like, mm -hmm. you go close the door. Got a little, not like he didn't get violent, he didn't get angry, but he just kind of got pricked, you know? It was like, yeah. why are you telling me to go close the door? But then he recognized that moment. Oh, I'm kind of like, I got a little a little angry. I got a little sensitive right there. And so he kind of stopped and then went and closed the door and just, that's it. And I said, okay, that's great. I'm glad you noticed that. Um, now let's ask, why did you get angry? Why did you get irritated? Why did you get sensitive when he asked you to go close the door? And he kind of had to, you know, there's always excuses like, well, it was rude. It was this. It's like, okay, no, no, let's stop talking about why they are doing what they're doing talk about why you react that way and he said okay um well i didn't like that he was bossing me around right? i felt like he was like telling me what to do and then it's like okay okay that's good 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 that you recognize that now ask why a second time so why don't you why did you not like being told what to do why did you not like being bossed around and it's like his response was after a while of kind of sitting on it, thinking about it, like, well, it makes me feel like um, he's above me or he's manipulating me. It makes me feel uh, kind of used or not in control. I don't like that feeling of um, someone else is the boss. Like if I let him tell me what to do once and he's gonna start uh, trying to take advantage of me and make me do things. Um, and I was like, oh wow, okay, that's, that's absolutely interesting. And then you, you ask again, like, why, why do you think that if someone asks you to do something once, that they're going to take advantage of you? 
right? Like that they're gonna they're gonna try out to get you. Like why do you why do you think that? Um, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. He's I said he said, well, if someone tells you what to do and you do it, that means you're you're gonna be. It makes me feel weak. It makes you feel like you're not in control. I was like, and then okay, why don't you wanna be told what to do? Why don't you wanna feel like you're the one underneath? And he said because. Um, because when you are the one under, right, you, people are going to hurt you. People are going to take advantage of you. People are going to, you know, ruin you. And then we asked one more time, okay, why do you think that if someone is above you or it gives you direction, tells you what to do, that that's going to, they're going to take advantage of you and hurt you. And then he stopped and he sat on that and we talked about it for a long time and he just started getting emotional. He says, well, when I was, when I was younger, I had an older sibling, a much older sibling who was very abusive. And whenever they would tell me to do something, they would always, um, if I didn't do it, they would hurt me. You know, if I, they would boss me around, they would force me to do things and I hated them. And I always told myself, I am never going to be the one that is underneath. I'm going to make sure that I'm never in a situation where I'm the minion, I'm going to make sure I'm never in a situation where I can be hurt or abused that way. And and there was a lot of tears in that. And that just, you know, that progression went pretty smoothly in terms of just us talking about it. That took at least an hour and a half of just sitting and doing the work and having to sit through that. And it was so crazy because light bulb just went off in his head. Like, oh my gosh, I have... I react. I got upset about closing the door because if I really sit and dig through it, it comes down to this belief that I began to believe when I was young that mm-hmm. if if I do something that someone tells me to do, I'm gonna become a victim. I'm gonna become. I'm gonna be taken advantage of. I'm gonna be weak. I'm gonna be hurt. And so from a young age, he thought I have to be strong. I have to be in charge. I have to be the one giving orders, right? And so it started exposing the the lies, the 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 certain things that he principles that he lived by that dictated his reactions and his actions to things. And so that moment was really important for him because one thing that's so important about self awareness is what you can think. the The danger of of enneagram and stuff like this personality stuff is okay. Um, for example, that, that guy who told me that he's an eight, let's say a type eight is someone who resists being told what to do. And so immediately, immediately, maybe you would think, okay, so that means I should not resist, um, doing what other people say. Right. But really that's just behavioral change. Like in a way that can look like change, but it's not on a deep level. It's just, okay, next time someone asks me to close the door, I'll just go up and do it. But that's not transformative. That's not touching the heart. And if you are just concerned with with behavioral change, if you just try to change yourself to try to fix yourself, that's not going to transform your heart. Real transformation does not begin with behavioral change. Real transformation begins with understanding. With understanding why you do what you do. Understanding where it comes from. Understanding what pain or what trauma or what what principle or lie um, that you're that it's tied to, and so as he began to understand 
oh my gosh, I've been functioning thinking that I'm scared that people are trying to take advantage of me or going to abuse me or that I'm going to be weak or I have to be in control. I can't ever let anybody something to do because of some of abusive relationship I had when I was a kid, right? And then all of a sudden, as he begins to understand, as he begins to, to see how he's been living out of that, little by little, that pain, that experience doesn't have as strong of a hold on him. And little by little, that, that kind of chain that was dictating how he reacted, how he lived, how he um, responded to things was loosened. And more and more, now he's able to trust people. Somebody asked him to do something. He's like, okay, I don't, you know, I, I'm not afraid that this person trying to take advantage of me. And he can not react so viscerally to these things. And I'm like, man, that's where real transformation begins. It's when you're getting at the roots of what's mm. what we're doing. Yeah, that that's really powerful. And uh, I think what you're saying is is, is so spot on, and um, it, it it challenges me, and it reminds me of um, just the power of going deeper and understanding self awareness and everything like that. And and um, yeah, I kind of want to pivot this conversation from the the tool to the overall just topic of self-awareness and going deeper. Because I think for most of the people who are listening right now, the key to the next level is in self-discovery, self-awareness, going deeper. And, um, you know, how how did that journey start for you personally of, you know, you got introduced to Enneagram and everything like that, but how did this passion to just want to go deep and not settle for behavioral change, not settle for fluff, but really allow God to do the deeper work? Like, how did you get on that journey? You know, it actually started from, um, it started from that first moment when I read that book at my pastor friend's house when I rediscovered the Enneagram and and I was crying reading that chapter. There was one line in that book and it said this. It said, it said, a nine will oftentimes have this internal lie. Your voice doesn't matter. Right? And for some reason, that resonated with me so deeply. Right? It resonated really deeply. I didn't even quite get it yet. I didn't understand what exactly it meant. But for some reason, it just stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Like It was in quotes, your voice doesn't matter. That's a typical thing that nines will believe. Your voice doesn't matter. And then what happened was about a month later, I was uh, I was doing some training, reading for working with foster youth, um, kids coming from traumatic environments, and it was just some material I had to go through so I could um, click OK, yes, I did the reading, and then I could go work with these kids. But then I was reading this one paragraph, and it talked about childhood development and it said one little thing about like when a baby, when a, when a young child cries out to their parents and cries out to their parents and the parent responds or reacts in some way, the baby begins to learn that their voice matters. Mm. And I just had this intense flood of flashback of a memory that I had of when I was really young. I had never thought about it. 
never recalled it un uh, until that moment when I read that in the training. Um, when a baby cries out, when a young child cries out and the parent responds, the child learned that their voice matters. And then I got my, the flashback was when I was, I don't know how old I was. I was really young, maybe like, I want to say like three or maybe two, I don't know, really young before anything else I can remember. And I wake up in the middle of the night because I hear my mom, I hear my, I'm going to talk a little quiet because my mom's outside, but I'm, I hear my mom on the phone and she's arguing with my dad. It's really late at night and she's saying, where are you? Why aren't you here? Um, your, your kids need you. And I hear him yelling on the other side of the phone and she's just, she's just like pleading him to come back. And then I can hear that he hangs up on the other side of the phone. Uh, and I'm sitting there watching my, my mom yelling on the phone, hearing my dad and just, I, I'm in the other room, but hiding in the shadow, but I can see the light in the kitchen. And after my dad hangs up, my mom slowly hangs up the phone and then she just drops to the floor and starts weeping, just starts bawling. And I could feel her pain. And I remember running back into my room because I was really scared. And, and I start crying out for my mom. And I'm saying, Mama, Mama, Mom. Because um, I didn't know what was going on. I just know that I was scared. I was in distress. I felt not happy, not good. And I wanted my mom to come comfort me. Crying out, crying out. And no response. And I keep crying. And I keep crying. And then, and then um, after about, I don't know, a long time, I stop. And I'm kind of shell-shocked, a little confused, like, what's going on? And, and I'm just, my tears are running down my face, but I'm just shocked and confused and then quiet. And I hear my mom slowly walk down the hallway and go into her room, close the door, and I can hear her crying. And at that young age, um, what I learned, what I internalized was Well, what I immediately felt was, no, my voice doesn't matter. My my mom is going through so much. She's unable to meet my needs. Um, and what that evolved into was, I have to make sure that th over my needs. Other people being good will mean that I'll be good. And so that sent me just on this, like, on this, like this this road, right? Because I was in the library doing that reading and I just was in the library, had that flashback of that memory of, as a child and couldn't stop weeping. I just started sobbing, sobbing, sitting at that desk, sobbing, thinking about that memory. And um, as I sat on that and think, realizing that there, that was a moment when my voice was robbed from me where I began to think that I was insignificant um, I began to think that my voice doesn't make an impact. People don't hear me. People don't care. Um, I just began to see how it ties to so many of my fears to this day, how it ties to so many of my uh, insecurities and things that have held me back. And 
that nodding up feeling that I get in myself when I people want me to speak or I need to say something or I need to share opinion or I need to give direction or people are depending on me. There's like a knot that I feel in my stomach of fear and and just seeing how much it tied to this early childhood pain where I believe that I didn't matter, you know, and I don't make a difference. When I cry out, no one hears. And and that was such a, a powerful moment of healing for me because um, I just felt like God allowed me to be in that moment and to- tell me that he saw me, you know, and I feel like you are unable to receive grace in places that you're unaware of, you know, like you, you, if you only have a shallow understanding of your pain, you'll only receive grace to a shallow level. And in that moment, as a certain depth of my pain was revealed, a new, a new um, door was unlocked to reveal that pain that's been locked away. I felt grace flooding in and something in me shifted, something in me changed. All of a sudden I felt like I could speak, not speak like from the stage or authoritatively. That's, that's not where the breakthrough came. The breakthrough came in being able to share my heart with my friends. It, it came in me being able to just be honest, to speak up, to, you know, tell people when I'm hurt, tell people when I'm lonely. And it was so interesting because I, I was like, man, how, how did that one moment of feeling known by God, of going into that place of pain, how did that bring so much freedom? And it was so transformative for me. It really launched me into this, like, I think this is only the beginning. I yeah. think it's only the beginning. And I don't want to just be like, oh, now I'm done. I found the problem. It was that one memory. It was that one thing. Now I'm healed. I'm good. God was just showing me this is only the beginning. Only the beginning. Yeah. yeah. That's really powerful, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I all that to say too, I think what really started it, that was a key moment, but we really started it was when I had this big, you know, mental breakdown. I where I was working in a church and having intense anxiety, depression, like couldn't sleep. And then I had this meltdown and just ran away and everything fell apart and it was humiliating and I stepped down from ministry and that was actually what really sparked the journey of like okay there's clearly something wrong something broken and I cannot run from it anymore I can't just pretend like it's okay I can't just just trying harder working more isn't gonna solve it and yeah by the grace of God little by little he began to reveal things to me help me see myself to find real healing to find real strength and yeah man it's been beautiful yeah bro that's powerful man uh i mean i think that's just one of the things that i feel like is common for people who have gone deep and uncovered pain like that is like there's a crisis moment you know that 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 people face i I know that's you know, if I didn't have a crisis moment and, you know, unbearable pain, like I, I wouldn't have chosen to go deep myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I'm kind of forced to because 
I hit a wall and I'm rock bottom and I have nowhere else to go um, yeah. except go deep. And, and I just kind of feel like that's God's mercy, you know, his kindness in a way. Um, but what I realize for me now is, you know, on the other side of that breakthrough, on the other side of having gone deep, you know, you don't have the same level of, see, for lack of a better word, to wanting to uncover and discover and um, go deeper in self-awareness, you know, you know, I kind of want to know how you keep yourself on that journey uh, for self-discovery, self-awareness, allowing God to, you know, uncover and take you deep. Like, how do you feel yourself in that journey personally? How do I feel myself in the in that whole process? Yeah. Because I know when I'm in pain, it's it's so easy, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier. Like you kind of are forced to and uh, be reflective and stuff like that. But when things are going well or after you've had the breakthrough, you know, and you're in favor and blessing, it, you know, your attention goes everywhere else. But where you normally go in pain, you know, so how do you navigate that yourself you know i think it doesn't always for me have to revolve around pain um, mm -hmm. but how i can how i can live the most fulfilling life not just fulfilling in terms of i enjoy it fulfilling in terms of i'm living out everything i'm all to do you know and if i'm really pursuing that if i'm pursuing the the call if i'm pursuing my destiny if i'm if i'm trying to be faithful to god to follow in into the great works that he's called me to do not just settling that is what drives me to continue to ask these questions mm. because it's these exact things these tendencies these these behaviors, reactions that are rooted in, in experiences and pain, those are the things that are going to keep me from being able to move forward. They're the thing that are going to keep me. So I might be pleasant. You know, it, it would be, you're right. If I think if my goal was just to live happily and be comfortable, then as soon as the pain is, the tears are gone, the pain's gone, then I'd probably stop thinking about Enneagram. I'd stop thinking about how I can grow in self-awareness but because I'm called higher than that, you know, not just, not just, okay, now you're good. You know, kind of like that's kind of the therapist's job sometimes, how it's become this year. It's just, let's get you functional and then you don't have to come back anymore. Or let's get you mm -hmm. functional and so you can just live in society. But man, I don't want to just function. You know, I don't want to just get by. I want to live out in the fullness of what God's calling me to do. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I want to live out in passion and so actually it's my drive to accomplish great things it's my drive to live out my calling that keeps me coming back to self-awareness because it is so key so key in help in launching me into being able to do what i'm called to do now that's powerful bro i really love it i think as you share that it helps remind me too where you know, you said it perfectly. Our ultimate goal isn't comfort or, you know, 
um, even wholeness apart from Christ, but it's unto purpose, it's unto impact, it's unto, you know, kingdom. So I love it, man. Yeah, man. I, I think it's it's even so obvious for me in how Enneagram specifically has has helped me recognize what holds me holds me back in terms of accomplishing the work that God's put in my hands. And it it reveals the fears, right? Like even the whole um well like one thing so simple is very typically like superficially nines you can read this anywhere nines avoid conflict right nines are averse to confrontation to being direct and all that kind of stuff and um but man if i want to if i want to be a part part of any kingdom work if i want to if i want to be be engaged with what God is doing, I'm going to be willing to engage with conflict. And so right there, it's just like, okay, I got to work through this. Why am I so averse to conflict? And then I, it's, it's that whole journey. It's what am I afraid of? Why am I afraid of that? Why, why am I reacting that way? And then at, it's crazy because I feel like God has this incredible, mysterious, magical way of... Um, the journey that he's put us on to to use us, like the thing that he's called us to be able to offer to this world, that big thing, that calling, that hospital he wants you to build, that organization he wants you to lead, that you know book he wants you to write, that journey of of what you're going to offer to the world is actually the exact same journey that he uses to help you find healing, to help you find self, you know, growth and freedom and understand his great understand and receive his grace in ways that you never could before right it's good it's crazy yeah yeah i love it he's 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 so good (laughs) yeah it's crazy you know we always kind of think of it as two different things okay you got to work on yourself and then when you're good then you can give to the world but just doesn't work that way i feel like as god calls us to follow hey i'm going to use you but as I'm using you, as I'm calling you to these things, you're going to see some stuff about yourself and it's going to force you to come back to me and receive my grace, you know, and just, yeah, God is so good. <laughs> yeah, man, he's, he's awesome. I, I love it. It's his kindness. It's his faithfulness. It's his wisdom, you know, and I just feel like those things that, that come up, you know, as we are pursuing the calling, as we are doing what he asks us to do, you know, it's his mercy that makes us go back to him. You know, mm. like it's just, just an impossibility in the things that he's called us to, even in, you know, ultimately transformation, like we can't transform ourselves, you know? So I love it, bro. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess as we kind of wrap up this conversation and uh, I know there's so much more we could talk about and we definitely have to come have you back on here for sure. But yeah. I kind of want to talk about revival in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of want to ask your personal definition of the word revival. My personal definition of the word revival. That's hard for me. Um, if I'm honest, you know, it's, that word has a lot of baggage. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it can sometimes people have who really believed in that word have felt a lot of disappointment and disillusionment. Um, you know, and it's so it's hard for me to use that word freely, because, mm-hmm. but because there's some pain there, you know, there's some. Sometimes when I think of the word revival, it's, you know, I think of historic revivals and big moves. I think big. I think there's something about it being large. You know, the, the, the scale of it is what makes it a revival. Yeah. And that, that kind of can stress me out sometimes. I'm like, I just can't do that. I, I can't part of that. I can't carry that. I can't, you know, or it's, it's a, a high energy thing, you know, like intense. Um, but I do believe God continues to use that word to speak to me. Um, that it's something that he still desires and still seeks. And not that I feel like my, uh, my wrestling with that word is not because of, it's not a wrestling of whether we should seek it or not, but God calling me and inviting me in, mm-hmm. in, in to understand maybe a deeper level of what does revival really look like? And, and so for me, when I think of revival, and as simple as it is, I just, it's people falling intimately in love with God, you know, it's experiencing the sweet personal grace of God. And, and, Responding by wanting to live a life of love, wanting to live in love with God. That's how I see revival. That's how I experience revival. Um, I want people to discover that they are still, that they are, and that they still are a part of a love story. That mm-hmm. that is the most big. That is the most epic. That is the most important story that god is writing it if we look at it the big picture you know you can look at the the history of the world as a battle or a war you know like it's the forces of evil versus the forces of good and um, god versus the devil and i think there's that element but when i look at the bible and it's at its heart it's a love story and between him and his children so that's what i see i see the Hearts of the father, the hearts of the children being turned back to the to the father, and um, it's family, you know, it's it's depth of relationship, it's experiencing his grace and his love through relationship, through family, and yeah, man, that's just what it is, and maybe even to tie it to enneagram, I feel like enneagram. It's going to be key, actually. Um, maybe not Enneagram itself, but self-awareness definitely yeah. is, is key when it comes to revival because um, to have deep, lasting, fulfilling relationships, we need to be willing to do the work of self-awareness. Mm. I think revival begins by this renewing of the heart that makes you want to love and receive love and give love and it can it can feel great you feel restored to your dad you feel restored to your brother you feel restored to god right it's so good but then it 
sometimes it doesn't last because we have the dysfunction of how of how we how we how we react to you know all the all the self awareness things that the baggage that yeah. we carry that keeps us from having maintaining lasting deep relationship where we feel connected and know how to continue to maintain that. Um, so I feel like maintaining revival isn't necessarily a question of can we pray more? Can we, you know, have more music, have more worship stuff? It's like, it's almost synonymous with how do I have a lasting, meaningful, fruitful relationship? I yeah. think we can begin to ask those questions. That's going to give us answers to how do we maintain and sustain revival? Yeah, bro. I love it. It's beautiful. I think just the simplicity of loving Jesus and falling in love with him and getting rid of you know, any obstacles or dealing with the pain and trauma of things that will only hinder love, you know? Yeah. I love it, bro. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we, as we uh, wrap up, what, what are some resources that people can dive into when it comes to, I guess, Enneagram or, or going deeper, self-awareness? Uh, yeah. What are some resources you recommend? My favorite book on the Enneagram is called The Sacred Enneagram by a guy named Chris Hewitz. Um, maybe you can post that somewhere. Chris Hewitz, Sacred Enneagram. I like it because it's very practical um, and informative, but not just, hey, this is what the type is, but how you can use it to be on your journey for growth and growing deeper with Jesus. That's one resource. Um, there's, I mean, I would say enneagraminstitute.com is, it's just a, it's a website that is pretty go-to. It's basic. It has all the, you know, basic information. It's got a little test on there that you can take. It's not too expensive. I think like 10 bucks and it'll have descriptions of the different types and a lot of, you know, you can browse there to kind of start getting into it. And, but if you really want to take it a step deeper, yeah, that book, Sacred Enneagram. There's also some podcasts that I think are really helpful, um, like Typology by Ian Cron. That's a great one. Um, also, uh, the Enneagram Journey with Suzanne Stabile. It's very helpful. Also, one thing I've been doing is gathering people together. It's not necessarily a resource, but the idea is gathering people together to do it in community and where the resource comes in is having someone come in and help guide the group, the core people, um, the community to be able to use the Enneagram to help one another in the journey of self-awareness. I think Enneagram is useless if it's not done in community because it's about relationships, about connecting, right? It's about how we yeah. love, how we receive love. And so, I've gone to do some trainings and how, how can I help this community, this leadership, utilize Enneagram in a way that is transformative and edifying and glorifying to Jesus. And so I'm not saying necessarily me, but bring somebody in. There's so many people out there that are um, loving and experts in the Enneagram and very wise and able to take your team deeper, take your organization deeper, your small group, your church, your family deeper. Um, yeah, tap into it. The book, again, the book is material, it's information, but it's only going to be transformative when you're going to do
do the work yourself unless you're willing to make it personal. Sometimes you need someone to help us do that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Powerful. Um, how can people connect with you? Or if they do want to invite you out, you know, how can they connect with you? Yeah, my, I have a website, notandrewmin.com. On Instagram, notandrewmin, at notandrewmin. And yeah, that's that. you can email me. You can shoot me a DM. I would love to connect with anybody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got to have you come out and help our team. And uh, I, I remember when last time we hung out, which was in California, what, last year? Mm-hmm. You, me, and uh, and another one of our friends we were in the parking lot till like 3 a.m. Yeah. Enneagram. <laughs> that was a blast. Uh, yeah, that was good. But hey, bro, love you. Thank you so much for hopping on, sharing your heart, being vulnerable with us. And uh, we definitely got to have you come back. Of course, man. I love it. I'm honored. I believe in pursuit. I wish I could be there at your conference coming up. Uh, I'm going to definitely try to make it out, hang out with you guys. You guys are a blessing and a gift to New York City. Thank you, brother. We received that. Love you, bro. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next one. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.